focus on headline. We've got some major issues to delve in through with focus on headline, and for that, we're joined by our reporters Han Daen and Choi Ji Hee in the studio. Good evening, guys. Good evening. Good evening. Good to see you. And uh, we're going to start on the diplomatic front. Uh, President Yoon Seok Yeol held a summit with visiting Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. That was today. This Wednesday. So, in I think in the headlines I mentioned Tuesday, but it's Wednesday today in Korea, where the two leaders discussed ways to expand cooperation across diverse areas, mapping out Korea-Canada partnership for decades to come. So, Tan, let's start with you. The summit took place just a few hours ago. So, what do we know so far? Well, President Yoon and uh, Prime Minister Trudeau are expected to brush upon various regional and global issues of mutual concern from North Korea and critical minerals to boosting bilateral exchanges. Now, as the two countries mark their 60th anniversary since forming diplomatic ties, they will likely reaffirm their cooperation and friendship as countries sharing universal values like freedom, democracy, and rule of law. The extended summit began at around 4.30 p.m. today, just about an hour and a half ago. And so, uh, although we're still waiting for details on the outcome, security and economic issues will likely have taken center stage as Korea and Canada have been exploring ways to deepen cooperation on critical minerals and also step up intelligence sharing in efforts to boost security ties. The two leaders are expected to have shared thoughts on ways to build a norms-based global order, including on North Korea's human rights issues, launching a high-level economic and security dialogue, which, uh, will, which I will get to uh, in my next story, as well as strengthening cooperation on key minerals. Now, the reason why we keep hearing the term key minerals when we're uh, reading articles on today's summit is because Canada, rich with lithium, cobalt, nickel, and other mineral reserves, is a key partner for major South Korean companies and in industries of advanced technology, such as EV batteries or semiconductors, all of which are, of course, major products in Korea's export-driven economy. Uh, President Yoon and Prime Minister Trudeau will sign an agreement on key mineral supply chains, as well as clean energy conversion and energy security cooperation as the two countries seek ways to bolster partnership uh, with like-minded na- uh, nations against rising global challenges. Now, the two countries have also sought to step up security cooperation, including intelligence sharing, to better navigate through an intensifying rivalry between Washington and Beijing. Now, after the summit, they're expected to issue a joint statement under the tagline Stronger Together for Another 60 Years to map out Korea-Canada partnership for the next six decades. Today's summit marks the third one-on-one between the two leaders following previous talks at the NATO summit and in Ottawa when uh, President Yoon visited Canada for a summit last year. Trudeau is here for a three-day visit and it marks the first visit in nine years by a Canadian leader. Yoon and Trudeau will travel later this week to Japan to attend the G7 summit uh, 
set to be held in Hiroshima, where North Korea's nuclear threat is expected to top the agenda, along with Russia's war with Ukraine and China's growing influence in the region. So we will have to wait and see for what the outcome is going to be. But uh, thank you for the uh, preview of what we can expect on. Uh, now, Ji, uh, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau addressed South Korea's parliament today mm. as well and stated that his country is ready to partner with Korea in key areas, including security. Right. Give us the details. Right. So uh, Talon has outlined pretty much what Trudeau wanted to emphasize with the cooperation with South Korea. Well, as the first foreign leader to address uh, Korea's National Assembly in six years since uh, the previous president of the U.S., Donald Trump's ad- address in November 2017, Canadian Prime Minister uh, Justin Trudeau stressed that his country is prepared to work with South Korea on critical minerals and form a green partnership along with regional security and some North Korean issues. Now, he went on to say Canada is ready to strengthen their partnership with friends like Korea on everything from critical minerals to high-tech innovation to clean energy solutions. And this was all mentioned in his address uh, earlier today at the at the National Assembly. And he went on to say Korea is a leader in nuclear energy and we're going to keep collaborating on this zero emissions energy source. Now, while the two countries are expected to expand cooperation on critical minerals, as uh, Taiwan has uh, emphasized multiple times, for electric vehicles, that is, and other clean energy projects, Trudeau also commented on the need for cooperation on the security front, adding that the two countries have to continue uh, defending peace, human rights, and the rules-based international order to build a more prosperous future for all of us. While also noting that stability in the Indo-Pacific and in the North Pacific is essential to global stability, he said Canada is committed to the implementation of uh, the sanction of the UN Security Council on North Korea and also to supporting South Korea's efforts towards uh, the full denuclearization and also creating a more peaceful and prosperous Korean peninsula. Uh, He also mentioned in his speech uh, his support advancing the human rights in North Korea as well. And he also recalled the Gwangju pro-democracy uprising of May 18th, which is uh, tomorrow, uh, and it happened in 1980. He said true democracy will always be stronger than authoritarianism. And Trota was uh, applauded multiple rounds during his address by the uh, assemblymen. And he met with National Assembly Speaker Kim Jin as well ahead of the speech. And earlier today morning, Trudeau also visited the Seoul National Cemetery. And uh, not only have the two leaders of South Korea and Canada met and uh, Trudeau was at the National Assembly, but also ahead of today's summit, South Korea and Canada held an inaugural meeting of high-level economic security dialogue. Uh, The two countries sought ways in a very friendly atmosphere, it looks like, to strengthen ties and economic fields now deemed critical for national security. Tan, you have more on this. Right. So... From good friends to the best of friends is how Canadian Foreign Minister Melanie Jolie put the new dialogue in a sentence. Korea and Canada have been maintaining a cordial relationship, but this marked the first time the heads of foreign affairs and trade and industry sat down together for high-level talks to seek ways to boost bilateral cooperation. This came as President Yoon and Prime Minister Trudeau agreed to establish a bilateral high-level dialogue during their summit 
summit held last year. During the meeting, the two sides exchanged views on pending economic issues and explored ways <clears throat> Excuse me, to strengthen cooperation in areas deemed critical for national security, such as the supply chains of critical minerals and semiconductors. Talks were also focused on cooperation on clean energy, including natural gas, hydrogen and nuclear power. The meeting was attended by Foreign Minister Pak Jin and Trade Minister An Dok-gun and their Canadian counterparts, Foreign Minister Melanie Jolie and Innovation, Science and Industry Minister François-Philippe Champagne. Foreign Minister Pak Jin, during his opening remarks, highlighted that Canada is Korea's ideal partner that shares mutual values and interests and is a country with immense potential for cooperation with Korea in the field of economic security. He stressed that the dialogue will help the two countries overcome multiple global crises together, and the talks could become a good predecessor to possible strategic dialogue between Seoul and Ottawa. Industry Minister Champagne pointed out that food and energy security, along with supply chain resilience, is what's most important in this era, stressing that Canada hopes to strengthen supply chain resilience with Korea, which will lower dependency on less trusted governments. Now, he didn't mention this directly, but it's widely interpreted as a claim that hints uh, at the need to lower dependency on China and Russia, countries that do not share universal values. According to major economic think tanks, Korea is dependent on China by at least 50% on more than 1,000 import items, including lithium, magnesium, urea, and manganese. Now, this makes South Korea, of course, that much more vulnerable in terms of supply chain stability. More specifically, the ratio of semiconductor materials imported from China keeps rising, surging to over 24% uh, in 2021, which obviously means growing U.S.-China trade disputes and global supply chain failures may lead to serious production setbacks for South Korean chip makers. Hmm. From good friends to the best friends. In Korean, we would refer to that as pep, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe the U.S. could be a little jealous about this. Uh, but uh, anyways, it kind of looks like uh, the supply chain issue is being addressed numerously. Mm-hmm. So it does seem like an obvious plan by Canada, just like the U.S., uh, in partnering up with many countries uh, against uh, China. Uh, and in this case, again, uh, this could also kind of make Korea sandwiched again, not only between China and the U.S., but also other countries like Canada uh, from other regions. So uh, now let's move over to other news uh, going over across the border of the Korean Peninsula. According to Pyongyang state media, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un made an on-site inspection on the overall status of the country's first military spy satellite and also approved its future action plan. You have more in this. Right. So the state-run Korean Central News Agency reported that North Korean leader Kim Jong-un met the committee leading the satellite's development. It's called the Non-Permanent Satellite Launch uh, Preparatory Committee on Tuesday before inspecting the military spy satellite and also giving the go-ahead sign for the so-called future action plan of this first uh, spy satellite. Now, reportedly, this reconnaissance satellite number one is ready for loading after the final General Assembly check and space environment test. 
And the KCNA also released photos of Kim's daughter, who was accompanying Kim Jong-un in the inspection. Now, Kim said the successful launch of the military reconnaissance satellite was an urgent requirement of the prevailing uh, security environment of the country. And the KCNA also reported uh, that it would not provide any further details on the exact dates of the launch. And the North Korean leader gave the green light last month when it was announced that construction of this satellite had been completed. And that announcement came about a week after Pyongyang tested uh, what it said was a new solid fuel intercontinental ballistic missile, marking a significant breakthrough for its banned weapons programs. And uh, Kim also said the more desperately the U.S. imperialists and South Korean puppet villains, those were his words, stated by the state media, escalate their confrontational moves against the North, the more fairly and squarely and also offensively it will exercise its right to self-defense to deter both the countries. Now, analysts as well as experts have said there is a significant technological overlap between the development of ICBMs and space launch capabilities. And they say uh, the North is likely to calibrate the ideal timing of this satellite launch, uh, considering both the climate conditions within the country, as well as some major political events that are stated uh, for the future. And a military reconnaissance satellite was, in fact, one of the key defense projects that Kim Jong-un outlined in his 2021 plan, uh, which was aimed at modernizing and also advancing the country's uh, military capabilities. And this latest inspection marks Kim's first public activity since his on-site visit to the North's Space Development Agency back in mid-April, when he announced that the North has completed building its first military space. By satellite. Um, let's hope that although we do not have a an exact date for the launch, I just hope that they won't do it on the 24th mm-hmm. of this month, which mm-hmm. is when Korea has to launch its rocket moody. Ah. So let's just uh, cross our fingers for that, because I guess they will um, nevertheless uh, conduct the launch, even if the, uh, you know, the uh, international community is not looking forward to that. But I found it also interesting that it seems like uh, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un now is always accompanied by his daughter right. Kim Zue for all of these um, you know, uh, appearances mm. he makes in the public. Uh, so let's leave it there with North Korea now and move over to domestic politics. Amid mounting criticism regarding Kim Nam-guk, former member of the main opposition Democratic Party over his cryptocurrency scandal, the party decided to refer Kim to a parliamentary ethics committee. And Kim came under fire following revelations that he owned cyber coins worth around 6 billion won and that he traded coins during national assembly meetings even. So, Tan, what's the latest on this scandal? Well, the DP decided today to hand over Kim's cryptocurrency scandal to the Parliamentary Ethics Committee. Uh, this as uh, DP leader Lee Jae-myung and other members of the party's leadership reached the decision, according to party spokesperson Park Sung-jun. Park explained that the party leadership agreed on the need to hold Kim accountable as he admitted that he traded coins during National Assembly meetings last year. He added the decision was made also because the party's own investigation is expected to take too long uh, to come to a conclusion. And so with this, DP's own investigation will come to a halt. Although not directly mentioned, the swift decision comes as the party faces mounting pressure to be 
begin investigative procedures amid growing criticism from the public that both Kim and the DP are attempting to dodge responsibility simply by Kim's departure. Kim said he will, uh, quote unquote, briefly leave the party earlier this week, saying he doesn't want to be a burden to the DP and to the party members. Now, once a case is sent to the National Assembly's Ethics Committee, lawmakers in question face punishment in four different stages that range from an open warning and an apology to less than 30 days of suspension of attendance and in extreme cases, removal from the party. Stripping off uh, a party membership requires approval from over 200 lawmakers or two thirds of assembly members. Kim uh, first came under fire following revelations that he owned around 800,000 WeMix coins in 2021, worth around 6 billion won. Now, an image of such a massive asset owner contradicts DP's image of a party working for average citizens Mm. uh, and the socially vulnerable, which could seriously harm the party's efforts to win big at next year's general elections. The transactions were reported to the Financial Services Commission's Financial Intelligence Unit, which classified the withdrawals as suspicious transactions and reported them to the prosecution. Prosecutors raided two leading cryptocurrency exchanges, Upbit and BitThumb, uh, as part of the investigation into the snowballing suspicion surrounding Kim. Right. Uh, what a scandal. Uh, just for our listeners from abroad, 6 billion won, that would be roughly 4.5 million US dollars. That's uh, how much the 800,000 WeMix coins are worth. And uh, Tan, it looks like we can expect speedy investigation and appropriate punishment for Kim now that the case has been sent to the National Eth- Assembly's Ethics Committee. Well, that would be ideal, but it remains to be seen if things really will pick up speed, because in order to fix Kim's punishment, a bipartisan consent is required. But, you know, as with most other pending issues at the National Assembly, the two rival parties may once again lock horns over the degree, uh, over the level of the punishment. In fact, during today's committee meeting, they butted heads over the scope and the level of Kim's punishment. So uh, it's widely expected that uh, the main deep will request the ruling People Power Party to throw in other pending cases at the Ethics Committee for discussion, which could delay necessary procedures for Kim. Believe it or not, currently nearly 40 other cases are stuck in limbo at the committee. Political pundits say that it could take longer, much longer than expected for the two parties to agree on the level of punishment and reach a conclusion. Yes, so very likely he will get punished, but it depends on how much of punishment he's going to receive. But amid this growing scandal surrounding the main uh, opposition lawmakers' cryptocurrency speculation, the National Assembly's National Policy Committee adopted a draft bill containing the obligation for parliamentarians to report their crypto asset voluntarily. T, you have the details. That's right. So following uh, lawmaker Kim Nang-guk's huge scandal over this cryptocurrency, we've seen some rare and quite swift bipartisan support uh, from both parties to pass this draft bill. Now, the National Assembly's National Policy Committee held a plenary session earlier today and passed a draft bill outlining the regulations on cryptocurrency that are owned by uh, lawmakers as well as public figures. And this was the first time ever that a bill of such was passed by the National Assembly Committee. Now, after the Legislation and Judiciary Committee went through a 
thorough review of the bill. Uh, the draft bill was adopted today at the plenary session. And the bill is aimed at protecting digital asset investors, uh, preventing unfair trading of cryptocurrencies, and also establishing a stable coin trading framework as well. And the bill integrated 19 uh, similar cryptocurrency-related bills that were submitted to the Assembly. And the bill also grants uh, supervisory authority over cryptocurrencies to the Financial Services Commission. And following this bill, uh, it will force the disclosure of lawmakers as well as public officials, like I said, uh, their own cryptocurrency assets. And in fact, the U.S. and EU had already made their own bill of such back in 2018 and 2020, respectively. And yes, so from now on, we will be seeing some responsibility over lawmakers as well as public figures who do own huge amounts of uh, crypto assets. Mm, I think mm. such bill will will and hopefully, uh, you know, will uh, keep us from seeing similar scandals, whether it be by the uh, main party or the opposition party. Mm. So let's keep our fingers crossed for that bill and uh, move on to our next story. Uh, after days of controversy and worsening divide between doctors and nurses, President Yoon Seok-yeol voted vetoed, of course, the Nursing Act today. Uh, he said that it's uh, creating excessive conflict between related groups and uh, making the public feel anxious about separating nursing services from medical institutions. And as anticipated, nurses are striking back. Tan, uh, tell us more about this. Well, nurses strongly condemned the government's warning uh, warning of political consequences and collective action immediately after President Yoon exercised his veto power. And that was exactly what they announced during a press hearing that followed later today. The Korean Nurses Association said they will refuse to carry out doctors' illegal orders for medical procedures such as prescribing medication, performing surgery and collecting blood samples raising fears of massive disruption in the country's medical services. Announcing their first collective action since uh, President Yoon's rejection of the legislation, the association also said they will also not follow doctors' orders to conduct ultrasound and electrocardiogram tests. They argued those tasks are not part of nurses' job, and it is illegal for the doctor to ask for nurses' help in those areas. They clarified that the intention of such collective action is for nurses to perform medical practice, not for doctors, but for patients only. They announced a, a very specific action plan in which they will uh, distribute a list of illegal tasks that nurses should refuse uh, in medical institu institutions. Uh, establish a reporting center for illegal incidents and also operate and manage an independent on-site inspection team. And in what was feared the most by the public and other professionals in the medical sector, nurses also declared they will hold a nationwide protest this week to condemn President Yoon's veto in Gwanghwamun beginning this Friday. Noting that the president who once promised to uphold laws to improve the working environment for nurses, 
cannot be free from responsibility. They said they will launch a nationwide campaign to return their nursing licenses to the health ministry to take part in the large-scale protest against Yoon's veto. President Yoon on Tuesday exercised his second presidential veto to reject the passing of the Nursing Act, saying that the bill has generated significant conflict among related professions. During his opening speech at a cabinet meeting yesterday, he said it is very regrettable that the conflicts have not been resolved through sufficient consultations among relevant professions and thorough deliberation within the National Assembly. He expressed concerns about the possibility of nurses leaving medical institutions following the enactment of the new bill, arguing that it poses a threat to public health. Following President Yoon's veto, the bill will be transferred to the National Assembly within 15 days and be presented once again in the plenary session. The bill but will likely be discarded uh, as it requires at least two-thirds of votes in favor to pass it again after a presidential veto. Something tells me that we're going to be talking about this act for Mm -hmm. weeks to come, especially with the strong response uh, coming from the nurses and also the protests that we're expecting. Uh, Just to clarify something, the veto itself came yesterday on Tuesday, right? Mm -hmm. Yesterday. And then we were were talking about the responses uh, Mm -hmm. that uh, were made until today. Mm -hmm. So let's uh, move on now. The finance ministry announced earlier today that the South South Korean government signed a preliminary agreement with Ukraine to offer low interest rate loans to Ukraine under the EDCF project. To fill us in on this. Right. So Finance Minister Chu Kyung-ho signed an agreement that will allow the country uh, to support Ukraine through this project during his meeting with U- his Ukrainian counterpart in Seoul. Uh, and the preliminary agreement signed today will be implemented in the future after going through domestic procedures at both countries. And uh, during the meeting, which was held in Seoul, Chu also expressed hope over the end of war and the restoration of peace in Ukraine. Now, Korea wishes to cooperate with uh, Ukraine in various areas, uh, especially for the post-war reconstruction efforts, according to his words. And the two countries vowed to work closely in follow-up measures to find uh, projects, more projects under the ADCF program. In fact, Korea launched the ADCF program in 1987 with the purpose of supporting economic and social infrastructure projects in developing countries. And uh, it offered humanitarian aid worth $100 million in 2022 to Ukraine. And in February alone, Korea announced its plan to provide additional assistance to Ukraine worth $130 million. Uh, To explain to you more about the support that's going on to Ukraine by the South Korean government. On Tuesday, President Yoon Seok-yeol met with Ukraine's First Lady Olena Zelenska at the presidential office, where he said Korea will provide active assistance to her country in close coordination with uh, the international community. And as we know, uh, President Yoon has recently signaled that Korea will shift its policy regarding the support for Ukraine. And uh, before, it was providing only non-lethal aid to Q, but he said in an interview last month that it might be difficult to only provide humanitarian aid going forward, uh, which hinted that uh, South Korea may be providing lethal weapons to Ukraine in the future. Right. There is uh, still a lot of controversy regarding that. And uh, I think 
Even if South Korea does decide to help out Ukraine with lethal weapons uh, exports, uh, I don't think it's going to happen that soon. Mm. And uh, maybe because uh, Korea is still mulling over such uh, such um, support, that is why it's uh, continuing with these other uh, means of uh, aid, just right. like the one you just mentioned, mm-hmm. T. And I think uh, the campaign is continuing just on the same day, I think, or a day before uh, the UK also promised more uh, weapons to Ukraine. So the international community support is uh, being bolstered up as we speak. Now, uh, let's stay with Ukraine. Ukraine says it has recaptured ground in Bakhmut, a rare advance after months of grinding Russian gains in the country's eastern city. So, Talon, you have more on this. And what does this actually imply? Well, Kyiv said on Tuesday that it had captured 20 square kilometers from Russian forces around Bakhmut in recent days. In a post on Telegram, Deputy Defense Minister Hannah Malier claimed Russia suffered significant troop losses as Ukraine gained two kilometers without losing any positions. Likened to a meat grinder, the devastated eastern city has been an epicenter of fighting for months, with both sides suffering heavy losses. Ukraine's army claims it is regaining ground to the north and south, diminishing Russian control over the former salt mining town, currently estimated at 90 percent. Now this, uh, as Russian troops continue their attempt at quote-unquote, completely destroying the city with the help of artillery, according to Malier. The deputy minister said that uh, heavy battles continue with different results, emphasizing that the Ukrainian troops are doing their best and even more. She went on to say that the fact that the defense of Bakhmut lasted for so many months uh, and their advances in certain areas proves the strength of Ukrainian fighters and the high level of professionalism of the Defense Command. She added that although the enemy has an advantage in the number of people and weapons, uh, but thanks to Ukrainian forces' fearless efforts, Russia has not been able to implement uh, its plans in the Bakhmut uh, direction since last summer. Uh, in its daily assessment, U.S.-based Institute for the Study of War also said Russia was reinforcing its troops in Bakhmut despite Ukraine's limited and localized counterattacks. Now, the claims signal a momentum shift in Bakhmut, but more widely, uh, there is no clear evidence of the highly anticipated Ukrainian counteroffense. President Volodymyr Zelensky stressed on Monday that Ukraine's long-awaited major counteroffensive had not begun yet. Uh, maintaining his army uh, needs more time. Bakhmut is how you pronounce it, because mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think I said Bakhmut. Uh, but uh, let's move on now to the U.S. Uh, President Joe Biden canceled his trip slated for next week to Papua New Guinea and Australia to continue his talks regarding debt matters with congressional leaders held at the White House on Tuesday. Uh, 
canceling such big trips to abroad is really not. I think it's pretty rare. I mean, the, all the preparations、mm. that you have to do for such a, a visit abroad. But I think、uh, there was enough reason for that. And see, you're going to tell us more on that. Right. It is definitely rare, and it really shows how serious the talks over the debt matters was within the United States.、Uh, regarding this, the White House confirmed Tuesday that President Joe Biden is canceling his upcoming visits, like you said, to Papua New Guinea and Australia、uh, because of this. Ongoing debt ceiling negotiations in Washington, which began on Tuesday,、uh, White House Press Secretary Karen Jean-Pierre said in a statement, Biden spoke to、uh, Australian Prime Minister Anthony Albanese earlier Tuesday to inform him that this trip will be postponed. And the press secretary also said that the president's team engaged with the Prime Minister of Papua New Guinea as well regarding the postponing of the trip. However, Biden will travel to Japan starting Wednesday. Uh, as part of what was supposed to be a week-long trip through the Pacific region for a gathering of the group of seven leaders. Now, earlier Tuesday, National Security Council coordinator for strategic communications John Kirby、uh, told reporters that the White House was re-evaluating、uh, the stops to the two countries in the Pacific region. But he said what he can speak to is the G7 and、uh, going to Hiroshima.、Uh, President Biden is, in fact, looking forward to this trip. Which he hasn't cancelled, and、uh, the president's trip cancellation. To note again,、uh, came as the congressional leaders met with Biden at the White House to discuss this debt limit, and it is an ongoing issue that he prioritizes.、Uh, so, although he has、uh, cancelled those meetings, I think he's going to meet with、uh, most of them in at the G7 summit. So they're probably going to have a lot of sideline、uh, talks going on in Hiroshima. I can、mm -hmm. expect.、Uh, so probably we might have a quad-related sideline summit、uh, in Japan later on.、Uh, but、uh, this will do it for focus on headline today. Thank you very much for your thorough reports, Tan and Tihi, and have a great evening. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. You can listen to Korea Now with me, SJ Lee, by downloading the Arirang Radio application, or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com. So make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Korea time.